Amen. If you turn me this morning to your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 12, reading verses 1 through 8. How many is all filled up with turkey this morning? Amen. I don't even like turkey, but my sister, she cooked an incredible turkey. Had an incredible time with my family. Amen. I thank God for family. Amen. Some of y'all were at the baptism, the last baptism we had this past summer. And I shared a devotion that night, and I, and I took the devotion along these lines. And so if you were there, many of you ate leftovers on Friday and Saturday, and some of you ate leftovers today, so today you could just eat leftovers if you already heard this. But I've added to it and turned it into a sermon, and it's just what God told me to speak this morning, so I had to be obedient to Him. On the way to church this morning, I was praying, and I, I asked my son, I asked him to pray for me, and... and um. He, he prayed for God to give us ideas this morning, for, for the Spirit of God to give us all good ideas. Amen. So I pray this, this morning that the Spirit of God would give us fresh ideas of how to follow Him and fresh ideas of how to seek Him. Amen. Ideas are a good thing. John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. The man he had risen from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12 ounce, a 12 ounce bottle of expensive perfume made of essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. (laughs) The house was filled. The house was filled with the fragrance of the worship of this woman. Then Judas, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth the year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, because he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. <laughs> Don't you love it when Jesus comes to the rescue? Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this to prepare me for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. We pick up the story here, and Jesus is in the last week of his life. 
Have you ever wondered what you do with the last week of your life? Anybody ever thought about that? Or is that just me? Thought about maybe who you'd go see. Maybe things that you haven't got to do yet. Maybe places that you'd go eat. I know if I had seven days, I'd have seven meals that I would eat. And I'd go to, I'd go to every place that I, that I love to eat at for the seven days. And I'd probably, I'd do it three times a day so I could eat at 21 places. And I'd invite some of y'all. But Jesus had a decision to make. He had one week left of his life before he would hang there between heaven and earth for me and for you. And he chose Bethany. Of all the places that Jesus could have chose to stay at, of all the places that he could have chose to dine, He chooses some of the last moments of his life to spend in Bethany. And many people think, well, why didn't he stay with Joseph? One of the the followers of Jesus. Now, he followed at a distance. But it was the same Joseph that was rich. And he he gave the tomb to the disciples so that he could bury Jesus. He could have stayed with him, right? Because he was rich, and I imagine that of that day, he had all the accommodations that anybody could desire and anybody could be comfortable. I imagine in our days, he probably had this big fancy kitchen and maybe this big screen television. Whether you could watch, you know, the Cowboys win against Miami. Or you could watch basketball. Papa came in the office this morning, and the first thing he said was, we're going to have basketball on Christmas. So he could have stayed there with all the accommodations, Mike. With everything that would be satisfying to his flesh. Many of us would have chose that place. Many of us would have chose the place that would have been satisfying to our flesh. Or, you know, he could have stayed with Nicodemus. He could have implanted and showed it to the religious leaders. He was in the hierarchy of that time. And so he could have stayed right there. And he could have continued to show into important people of that time. Many think, well, why didn't he just stay with the disciples and just go with the disciples into the wilderness and take some of his last moments spending it with them and sow it into their lives? Why did he choose Bethany? Why did he choose Bethany over the comforts of this world? Why did he choose Bethany over those 12 disciples that were closest to him? Why did he choose Bethany instead of choosing the hierarchy of that time, the important government of that time? Why Bethany? Because nobody loved him like Mary of Bethany loved him. Nobody loved him like Mary of Bethany loved him. Why here? Why your house? I'll tell you why. If God shows up in your house, it will simply be because you love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It will not be an accident. It will not be an accident. 
Why Pensacola, Florida? Because nobody loved him like those people in Pensacola, Florida. Why Azuzu Street? Because nobody loved him like Azuzu Street loved him. Amen. Why Smith Wigglesworth? Why John G. Lake? Why John Wesley? Because nobody of their air and of their age loved him like those men did. Why Mary of Bethany? Because she loved him. He spent the last moments of his life with a woman that all we know about her is every time we read about her, she's at the feet of Jesus. That's absolutely beautiful. Every time that she pops up in scripture, where do we find her? We find her at the feet of the one that she loves. Let it be said of us that every time we see them, every time we come into their church, they're creating an atmosphere with their life that inhabits the presence of a sovereign, almighty God. Every time we see her, she's at the feet of Jesus. He wanted to be around people that understood him. Do you hear me? He didn't want to be around someone who didn't understand his feelings and didn't understand his emotions and didn't understand what he was thinking. The Son of God wants to be around people that understand him and people that love him. Amen? It is. He wants to be around people that understand him and and that love him. Mary had encountered the heart of her beloved. She had absolutely reached beyond the normal. Amen. Remember what Pastor preached a couple weeks ago? She had reached beyond the normal, beyond a normal prayer, beyond a normal offering, beyond a normal gift. And she had reached beyond. You see, there was a house full of people there, but she was not at an audience of a full house of people. She was serving to an audience of one. If I try to impress this world, then I am merely not a servant of God but if I live to please God and I serve my life and I live my life as an audience of one as a servant to one then I will encounter the heart of God she encountered the heart of God and pleased him she was a woman of absolute of one thing she was a woman of one thing Go with me in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 10. We're going to read verses 30, 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, the last week of his life, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. There she is again. Sitting at the Lord's feet. Listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted. By the big dinner she was preparing, she was distracted by Thanksgiving. 
Christmas, maybe. By the big dinner she was preparing, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But listen, listen to this. This is absolutely beautiful. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. And it will never be taken away from her. She was absolutely a woman of one thing. God is raising up and God is calling a church and a people that will be of one thing. Amen. I said God is raising up and God is calling a people with hearts devoted to the one that we love. She had a heart that was absolutely committed and absolutely devoted to the one that she was loved, the one that she loved. She was not looking for a date in Christ, but she was looking for a bridegroom in Christ. And she devoted her heart to the one that she loved and she became a woman. She became a servant of God of absolutely one thing. Why Bethany? Because there was a woman there that cared about one thing and one thing only. And that was the worship of a king that was worthy. One thing. Church history has been filled with the fragrance of this one act of worship. Do you hear me? Church history has absolutely been filled with this one act of worship. With the fragrance of this one act of worship. She answered the heart of her master. Philip, she fulfilled the desires of his heart. God desires. God's heart pounds within him for relationship with me and you. Do you hear me? Let me get, let this get in your spirit. The heart of God pounds for relationship with you this morning. The heart of God pounds for relationship with you this morning. He tells us in Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 14. He says, my bride, in the clefts of the rock, hiding in the side of the mountain, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. In Song of Solomon, chapter 4 and verse 9, I believe it is. He says, oh, my dove, my bride, you've captured my heart. You hold my heart hostage with one glance of your eye. When you turn your eyes from this world and you turn your eyes towards me, you absolutely hold my heart in hostage. God tells you, the Spirit of the Lord tells us, the bridegroom tells the bride this morning, if you will turn your eyes from the world and turn your eyes to me, you will hold my heart hostage. Wow. She fulfilled the desires of the heart of her bridegroom. 
is there's heart pounds inside it and that I want you, 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 and you. I want this church. I want this city. I want this community. I want your home. I want you at three in the afternoon. I want you at three in the morning. I want you at nighttime. I want you in the morning. I want you on your jobs. I want you in the bank. I want you in the grocery store. I want all of you. His heart pounds. And the voice rings out to eternity. I want a relationship with you. I was created for one purpose. You were created with one purpose. What is that purpose? That is to walk with God. That's absolutely it. I have to sell cars to pay my bills, but I was not made to be a car salesman. Amen. You were not made to work at that job that you, that's not what you were made for. No, 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 no. You were made to walk with God. Why did God make Adam and Eve? So that in the cool of the day, he could walk, he could romance with him. You were made for romance. I was made for romance. This church was made for romance. To fulfill the desires of God's heart. Why Bethany? Why here? Why now? Because the people are fulfilling the heart of God. Wow. One thing. No one can make God feel the way you do. You know what I'm saying to you? I shared this a couple of Wednesday nights ago, but I'm going to say it again since we're eating leftovers. I got two boys, Jalen and Pate. But Jalen, he can't make me feel the way Pate makes me feel. And he can't love me the way Pate loves me. Jalen can't do that. But Pate can't love me. It can't make me feel the way Jalen makes me feel. Why? Because they're both mine. They both are part of me and they both hold a special place in my heart. You can't make God feel the way I can make God feel. Because I'm his and I'm his son. But get this. I can't make God feel the way you can make God feel. Because you're his son and you're his daughter. And ain't nobody can do what you can do to God. Amen. Not to make you shout this morning. Nobody can do what you can do for God. Nobody can make God feel the way you make God feel. No one can play God's heart like you can. Nobody can capture his heart like your eyes can. No one can capture his heart like your obedience and your submission can. Nobody can give God what you can give God. Nobody can dance like you can dance. Nobody can pray like you can pray. Nobody can worship like you can worship. Nobody. Ain't nobody can do it. Because you're special. I said because you're special. Because you're special. Listen, Zechariah 8 and 2, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. My love for Mount Zion is passionate and strong. I, God, I, God, am consumed with passion for Jerusalem. God just told you that he's consumed 
with strong, passionate love for you. That's what God just said to you. Do you hear what? I, do you hear what I, let me say it again. God just told you, you, his children, that he, him, he was consumed. That he was consumed with strong, passionate love for you. He didn't just say, he's not commanding me in this scripture to be overly in love and consumed with passion for him. But he's telling me how much he loves me. Should we respond? If my wife tells me how much she loves me and how she wants to just, you know, go on a date with me and, and the boys aren't going to be there and we're just going to hang out, do you think I'm going to respond? I'm going to respond. Let us respond. Why, Bethany? Because somebody responded. Why, Bethany? Because somebody responded. Church, we've got to keep coming. Amen? We've got to keep coming. You have to distinguish between worship and ministry. Because, see, Martha got caught up in ministry... But Mary got caught up in worship. Your ministry is not your worship. She was preparing the meal, but that wasn't her worship, amen. The worship was what Mary was doing. We've got to keep coming. Mary had one thing on her heart and one thing on her agenda. Let you. Ha- I pray that you have one thing on your heart and one thing on your agenda each and every day. Deeper, 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 deeper. This was her cry. How far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? How far will you let me go in you? And how abandoned, how extravagant will you let me be? Many in the church, we are so guilty of saying, God, how much do I have to do just to get by? You thought I was going to be nice all morning long, didn't you? And then I had to say that. We live our life. Of how little do I have to go to church? How little do I have to give in the offering and tithe? How little do I have to worship? How little do I have to pray just to get to heaven? That's not why he went to Bethany. He went to Bethany because Mary said deeper, deeper, deeper. Mary had the attitude like Moses had. Hey, if you don't go with me, I'm not going. If you don't go with me, I'm not going. Where you go, I go. What you say, I say. What you pray, I pray. How far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? You see, she was not satisfied with the deeds of God. She wanted the character of God. And Psalms 103 and verse 7, or Psalms 103 and verse 7. I think it's Psalms 103, verse 7. Man, alive. I know so many scriptures I forgot. Anyways. Yeah, I think it is. He revealed his character to Moses. And his deeds to the people of Israel. He revealed his character to Moses. And his deeds to the people of Israel. I don't want the deeds of God. I don't want the handouts. I don't want the leftovers. But I want his face. 
I want his character. I want the character of God. If God's word says yes, if God's word declares it, then I'm going after it. Amen. We've got to abandon ourselves. Do you hear me? You've got the absolute sight of this world and absolutely abandon yourself. She said, give me your character. As pastor preached a couple of weeks ago, I prayed that the spirit of Elisha would arise within our spirits. In 2 Kings 2 and 9, Elijah said to Elisha, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha replied, there's got to be more. I'm telling you, church, we've got to absolutely refuse to be normal. Amen. You've got to absolutely refuse to be good because great. It's worst in me is good. Amen. Grace worst in me is good. We've got to refuse to be good and refuse to be normal, but say, God, I want your greatness. I want the character of God. Refuse to be just be a normal church, just a normal prayer warrior, just a normal worshiper. Be extravagant, amen. Absolutely extravagant. Why? Why, Bethany? Because there was burning one there. There was burning flesh there. There was a light that had crawled up on the altar. And nothing will get the attention of God like burning flesh. Let us arise and be the burning ones. The burning ones. Why Gladewater? Because people set themselves on fire and said, Come watch me burn. Let us burn. Love sick lovers. Just absolutely infected with love. Just sick with love. What's wrong with them? They just got so much love. They love God. They're crazy in love. They fear the one they love and they love the one they fear. Glory to God. They've absolutely died to this world. Why, Bethany? Because she absolutely died to this world. Colossians 3, 2 and 3. We must set our minds on things above. Not on things of this world. For we have died to this life. I said we have died to this life. In our real life, sin with Christ Jesus inside of God. Psalms 27 and verse 4 says, This one thing I desire, this one thing I seek most, is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delight in the Lord's perfection and meditate in His tabernacle. And Psalm 69 and verse 9, it said, A passion, a zeal for your house has consumed me, has completely overtaken me. I am consumed with passion. I am consumed with zeal. For the presence of the almighty God. I'm telling you in this last days. God's raising up a Jacob generation. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? God's raising up a Jacob generation. A generation that refuses to go on as normal. A generation that refuses to live in their sin. But a generation that will encounter God and say, I refuse to let go of you, God, until you bless me. I refuse to let go of you until you encounter this generation. I refuse to let go of you until you encounter this earth. Until you shake the nations. Until you shake the nations. I declare that this generation, this house, will lead this this generation and leave this house, leave this world with a limp because we encountered God. Because we encountered God. 
people who contend with God. Why Bethany? Because there's people who contend with God. Why Glaywater? Because there's people who contend with God. Why your house? Because they're contenders with an almighty God. Why Bethany? Because of love. What drove him to Bethany? Love. Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, 6, 4 and 5 says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 3 says, The person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Wow. The person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. He recognized Bethel. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully set upon Him. Whose hearts are fully in love within Him. You see what this world calls a waste? She called worship. See, some people are going to call what you do waste. Man, you are wasting your time in that closet. You're wasting your time fasting. You're wasting your time standing around that flagpole. You are absolutely wasting your time. You are wasting your life. You call it waste. God calls it worship. Whatever you want to call it. Why, Bethany? Because what the world calls waste, God calls worship. I'm telling you, we must be intimate with God's presence. Why? Because intimacy sustains your intensity. Let me say that again. Intimacy will sustain your intensity. Amen. How do we keep coming? How do we keep chasing? How do we keep pushing? How do we keep going deeper? We stay intimate with the word of God. Your intimacy with God's presence will sustain your intensity. Why, Bethany? Because someone was willing to stay at his feet. This is good stuff right here. Someone was willing to stay at his feet. You see, church, history will tell us that there was about 17 people in that house. There's about 17 people, Brother Mike, sitting there around the table. But only one lowered themselves to a foot washer. Out of 17 people, they knew his feet were dirty. They could smell them. But only one lowered themselves to the position to wash his feet. But Mary was very comfortable with this position. We must be get, get very comfortable with the position of servanthood. And that what Pastor preached about last week, that in order, one of the things that he brought out, in order to preserve the next generation, we must connect ourselves with God. We must fear and reverence Him. And we must be servants. Foot washer. God will move where there's brokenness and humility. Do you hear me? You will get the character of God where there's brokenness and humility. In Psalms 51, 16 and 17, it said it's not a sacrifice you desire or a burnt offering I'd offer you one. But the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a contrite heart. The brokenness of God's people, God will not reject. Amen. I said, the brokenness of God's people, he will not reject. In 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, it says, my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Who's going to wash his feet? Pastor preached a sermon, I don't know, about a year ago. 
And he's preaching, I believe, in John, John chapter 13, about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. All of them sitting there eating. It was last year. And he was talking about how that when you're sitting around the table at Thanksgiving and around the table at Christmas, nobody wants to be the first one up to get up and clean. Nobody wants to do that job. Everyone wants to sit there because they're full and they're relaxed and they have feasted. But somebody must push away from the table and somebody must become a foot washer. Why, Bethany? Because somebody pushed away from the table and said, I'll wash his feet. Let me tell you something. She counted this world as garbage. Just like Paul. Hey, all my accomplishments, all my diplomas, everything I got, it's all garbage. Luke 14 and 26 says, if you want to be my disciples, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister. Yes, even your own life, if you want to become my disciples. Who's going to wash his feet? Psalms 84 and verse 10 says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I'd rather be a gatekeeper, a doorkeeper of the house of my God and dwell in the tents of the wicked, living a good life. Who's going to wash his feet? Who's going to worship Philip? Who is going to take that next step? Who's going to smash their idols, their gods? Who's going to smash their altar, rebuild the altar of the Lord? Who's going to do it? He's jealous, absolutely jealous for you. We must awaken bride of Christ. Because he's looking for a people that's absolutely have one thing. In John 5, 21, he says, Dear children, stay away from anything at all that would try to take God's place in your heart. In 2 John, verse 8, he says, Watch out that you do not lose what we, what you have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Why, Bethany? Why, Bethany? Because I was a foot washer. Let me tell you something. We've got one shot at this. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? We've got one shot. We've got one life to live. That's it. When I draw my last breath, it's over. Mary, she had one shot. He was there one time. You know what she says? She says, this one shot, I'm about to give something extravagant. I'm going to give something I've never, never given before. No hold bars. No holding back. I can see her family. As they sat there around the table, Martha probably in the kitchen cooking. And Mary swinging open the door. Having her stability in her hand. Having her savings Her inheritance in her hands. Life savings right here in her hands. And bursting into the door. I can imagine Lazarus and Martha thinking, oh my God, what is she about to do? My family thinks that about me sometimes. Oh my God, what's he about to do? I'll tell you what she's about to do. She's about to go broke. She's about to break herself and go to the point of no return. 
She could have unscrewed the bottle and just dropped a little bit on him. But you know what the problem is with that? You can put the top back on and leave. Never emptying yourself. But once you break it, there's no going back. She said there's no going back from this day forward. Some of us got to come to the point where we break our stuff and say, you know what? There's no going back. There ain't nothing back there for me. I'm sick of being on a roller coaster. I'm sick of being up and down. I'm about to break myself and give the most extravagant gift to God I've ever given. I'm about to go on a 21-day fast. I'm about to go on a 40-day fast. I'm about to read my Bible front to back. I'm about to pray two and three hours a day. I'm going to start waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to start turning my television off at night. I'm going to start turning my internet off at night. And I'm going to absolutely chase God with reckless abandonment until the day of His return. There's nothing this world has to offer me. Why Bethany? Because somebody went broken, Bethany. Somebody said, I'm going to the point of absolutely no return. Turn. There's no turning back. Listen, let me tell you something. I may be crazy, and I may be standing up here preaching something I've preached over and over again, but what I'm telling you is true. What I'm telling you is true. When you draw your last breath, it doesn't matter what you've accomplished and what you have in this life. When you look back over it, if you have not exhausted yourself and, and chased God and exhausted yourself and broke yourself with before God, you will look back over your life and say, I wasted my life on this world. It is not too extravagant what I preach. It is not too extravagant what Mary did in Bethany. It will attract the fragrance of God. It will attract the power and the manifestation of God's word in your life. Are you serious? Is it really more important than worship Him with all your heart and your spirit? No, it's not. Can I get some music, please? The whole praise team, come on. As soon as she opened this jar of perfume and she poured it on him, I'm going to tell you something. Immediately, criticism filled the air. Immediately, fingers began to point. Criticism many times will fill the air when you become extravagant for God in your worship. Criticism will fill the church. Criticism will fill your life. It will come from family. It will come from friends. It will come from your work. It will come from your job. And immediately when she gave this worship, when she gave her life savings in, immediately they began to judge her. But immediately Christ came to the rescue. Amen. And Christ spoke. And he says, listen, she will be remembered. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, this act of worship will always be remembered. In other words, what he was saying is, Andrew, few will even know about you. Bartholomew, you'll get little ink written about you in the gospels. But this woman, she'll be remembered forever. She gave a gift. God's calling you to give a gift this morning. But your gift is unmatched to the gift that he's given to you. Do you hear me? It doesn't matter what you can give this morning because it doesn't match the gift that he gave to you. 
worshipers. I'm telling you something. Heaven and earth will stand still for the worshiper. You can read in John chapter 20 where Mary Magdalene, where she's there at the tomb of Jesus, she's weeping. And she thought it was the gardener came to her, but then she realized it was Jesus. And she reached out to touch him. She reached out to embrace him. But this is what Jesus said. He said, hold on, you can't touch me because I have not yet ascended to my father. In other words, the way I interpret that is he was ascending to his father. But because of worship, he stopped. Because of worship, he stopped ascending. And he came to the heart of the worshiper. When you begin to break yourself and you begin to worship, you will capture the heart of God. And God will move in your life. And God will move in this church. Some stand with me this morning. Psalm 73 and verse 5 says, or verse 25 says, you're all I want in heaven. I desire you more than anything else on this earth. Psalms 84 and verse 2 says, My soul longs, yearns, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, it cries out this morning for the living God. Psalms 27 and verse 8, When you said, Lord, seek my face, when you said, when the desires of your heart said, Church, seek my face, my heart responded, Your face, Lord, will I seek. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13. Seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know Him for He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. Hosea 6 and 3. God will respond to you this morning. I said, God desires and longs to respond to you this morning. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. And your face is lovely. You've captured my heart, my treasure, my pride. With one glance of your eyes, you hold me hostage. This morning in this altar service, we're just going to chase it. We're just going to chase it. We're going to keep coming. And this morning, I want you to give extravagant worship. I'm not talking about yelling and screaming and jumping around and running around. I'm not talking about a bunch of emotion. I'm talking about you breaking your heart before an almighty God this morning. Why? For one reason. He's worthy. Because the gift that you can give him this morning, he accepts it. He loves it. Only longs for it, but it doesn't even compare to the gift that He gave us, His Son. We've got to get lost, church. Amen. You hear me? We must absolutely get lost. Just absolutely lost in Him.